Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. My top five predictions for the upcoming Michigan football season next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Let's see for Brady gets terrific. Closer, and it, touchdown, night again. Schultz, just before Brazil got him, and a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle, caught by Collinger at the five. Seven, 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bosch and Lynch. And here's your first play. Pressure coming, sack. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team. And when we play as a team and the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Go Blue, I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. We will talk to Mark Rogers, the uh, one and perhaps only rational Buckeye that we know, coming up later in the program for his take. But let us begin with mine. Folks, Michigan is opening fall camp on August 1st, according to Coach Jim Harbaugh. That means the season begins in earnest in less than 60 days. We are under 50 days until Big Ten football media days. It is just around the corner. So let us go on the record, shall we? Here are my top five big picture predictions for the upcoming Michigan football season. Number one, J.J. McCarthy will actually be Michigan's highest finisher in the Heisman voting. I think you're going to see defenses which mystifyingly kept kept safeties back against Michigan's rushing attack most of last season. I don't think you will see that this year. I think you will see teams try to emulate what TCU did in the bowl game. I think J.J. will be more uh, developed, uh, will be more ready for it. Michigan will run more RPO. 
Uh, and I think you're going to see uh, Michigan also try to rest Blake Corum. He had 247 carries just in the first 11 games and change. I don't think he'll have that unless we unless we go far into the postseason. I think you'll see Harbaugh rest him some more. They'll have Donovan Edwards sharing carries as well. A lot of open space for J.J. McCarthy, and I think he will take advantage of it. Uh, probably break every meaningful Michigan school record in passing, which frankly, given Michigan stature as a program, a lot of those records are pretty anemic uh, by the standards of a lot of other programs that uh, Michigan is a, in the peer group with or aspires to be. But I think J.J. McCarthy takes advantage of of those monster openings for a monster season. Last year, Michigan ran the ball about 63% of the plays. This year, I think that number is going to drop to about 59 or 58 uh, and, and you're going to see J.J. McCarthy, I think, make a lot more big plays as well. Number two, Colston Loveland, I think, is going to be Michigan's top receiving target this season. The young tight end out of Idaho was already the first player that we have seen Michigan truly throw 50-50 balls to in the Harbaugh era. It's just kind of not Michigan's thing, but it became their thing with Colston Loveland, including in the Big Ten Championship game last year. And I think with more experience and A.J. Barner coming in from Indiana, uh, for a lot of two tight end sets, I think he's going to be a lot more involved in the offense and a complete matchup nightmare. I think he'll be Michigan's leading receiver. Number three, Coastal Carolina transfer Josiah Stewart is going to end up leading Michigan in sacks. And for the second straight year, the Wolverines are going to have more sacks as a team than they did the year before. So that means they're going to have at least 38. Now, when I made this prediction last year, a lot of you thought I was nuts there's no way they're going to have more sacks without Aiden Hutchinson than they did with him and David Ojabo. But I just thought Michigan would be better overall, would be in even more blowouts. More teams would have to be in obvious passing situations. And I think the same thing will happen this year. But I think with the addition of Josiah Stewart to go along with people like Braden McGregor, Jalen Harrell, and others, I just think that they're even deeper now in terms of rushing the passer than they were a year ago. I think Derek Moore will take a big step up here in year two as well. But I think Josiah Stewart is the guy most ready to come off the edge, similar to what James Houston has done for the Lions as a situational pass rusher. I think you'll see Josiah Stewart do that for Michigan this year. Number four, Michigan will be a finalist for the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line in the country again, but will not win it for a third consecutive year, which could, I think, be a good thing. I mean, Michigan deserved to win it the last two years, and then those offensive lines came out in the two bowl games and played their worst games of the season. Now, the first year against Georgia's you know, generational defense was to be expected. What happened last year against TCU was not. So maybe it'll be some much-needed extra motivation heading into the postseason for Michigan uh, rather than, hey, we what more can you accomplish other than winning the Joe Moore Award? Well, this time I think the Wolverines will be a finalist but won't win it. And then finally, for number five, Michigan will beat Ohio State and make the college football playoff for a third straight year. And for the second straight year, that should be there will be multiple, there will be multiple Big Ten teams in the college football playoff. That's my mistake there. That should read multiple Big Ten teams in the college football playoff. Now, you may have noticed there, though, that it, it doesn't say that Michigan will win the Big Ten again. You know, to find out what I mean by that when my preview comes out later on in July. But I do think there will be multiple Big Ten teams again in the college football playoff. And Michigan, after beating Ohio State, will be one of them. Well, let's find out what Mark Rogers thinks the voice of college football. We'll get his take in a moment. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And it is good to have back with us for another season here on Michigan Podcast, our good friend and perhaps the world's one and only rational bucknut, our good buddy Mark Rogers. He himself has a fantastic channel right here on YouTube, the voice of college football. A lot of great information, correspondence that cover teams around the country, particularly valuable, maybe even lucrative information this time of year with uh, preseason win totals now out there to be uh, invested upon. Mark, it is Good to see you, brother. How you been? How's your summer going so far? Doing well, Steve. Took uh, a couple uh, nice little mini vacations over the last couple weekends, so that was nice. And it's also nice to be the underdog. Indeed. That's Ohio State, just that plucky underdog, just trying to, like, like you know, Mr. T, doing chin-ups off of pipes and basements, taking the dirt road, heading back to the streets, getting the, getting the eye of the tiger back. That's good old Ohio State. That's what they're known as. You bet. All right. Speaking of Ohio State, let's start there, actually. Um, we're going to have our, our viewers poll results on this later on in the show after we talk to you. But do you have any thoughts on moving the game in the future to earlier in the year rather than risking the prospect of Michigan and Ohio State playing in back-to-back weeks? I believe I, I went back. I haven't done this exercise in a while. I've been meaning to do it again. I I went back and looked to see how often Michigan and Ohio State would have played since 2014 if we got rid in the playoff era, if we got rid of divisions. And I think I counted three times that it would have occurred last year, uh, 2021 and 2018, I think are the three seasons that Michigan and Ohio State would have played again the following week. So is that a problem for you? Is that a big issue for you? Would you be in favor of moving the game to early in the year to provide more distance? What say you? So I've gone through the same exercise, Steve, to see how much, how many times in a one versus two seeding format in the Big Ten would the two best teams in the East square off. And there would have been no time during the nine-year playoff or Big Ten championship era would there have been an East team not make the championship game. Uh, the thing you got to consider, though, that for all the times that it appears as though the West would have shown up at the Big Ten championship game, obviously, if the format from a scheduling standpoint would have been different, they would have had more difficult schedules. And therefore, I believe that the East would have dominated even more so than what that exercise mm-hmm. tells us. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing to consider. So. I can't move that game. Uh, We've had a long time to think about it. You know, I've gone through models and this exercise for a long, long time, considering the expansion of the Big Ten or what could be done with with realignment or just, uh, you know, correcting the division discrepancy. And we land into the same spot that it's the game on the final weekend. And then they're the most likely combatants in a Big Ten championship game. But I just cannot move that game off of the last weekend of November. I cannot do it. I don't like the back-to-back possibilities or probabilities, but that's what we're looking at. 
looking at what the Big Ten has unveiled for the first two years of scheduling with the additions of USC and UCLA, I think a lot of us expected, at least I did, that when TV networks pay nearly a billion dollars, they're going to have something to say about what they just paid for and the schedule. And so, I mean, I, I mean, I, I expected um, the the foursome of Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, and USC to play each other every single year, home and home. Uh, that there's no way the networks would be like, we want those games every single year. And a lot of those years, we're going to want teams with um, whose whose brands aren't as strong as they used to be, but used to be very strong and still have strong. Uh, television audiences and 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 fan bases, UCLA, Nebraska, we're going to want them in there every year too. And yet, the the league unveiled a, a scheduling model last week for those two years with a new commissioner who comes right out of television networks. And it didn't actually do what we expected. They actually came up with something that I think is fairly reasonable from a competitive balance standpoint. So in 2024, Michigan will play USC, but won't play um, and, and UCLA, but won't play Penn State. The next year it plays Penn State, but doesn't play USC. Um, they really tried to make it that every Big Ten team in those two-year periods play each other at least once as many times as possible. You could play in every other stadium in the Big Ten. They really went for competitive balance and uh, diversity of opposition rather than just loading up with the TV games. You worked for a fairly significant television network for many, many years. Now, it's different than the one that owns that's going to own the rights to the Big Ten starting this season, but what do you think the execs at NBC, CBS, and Fox thought when they saw that the Big Ten did not guarantee, for example, that USC was going to play Michigan and Ohio State every year? Well, they certainly knew that uh, with USC <laughs> and UCLA coming on board that there would be adjustments made to the scheduling format. I got to think that they had some input in that, uh, and, but it, but it's unrealistic to <clears throat> imbalance the schedule to that degree. Mm-hmm. So I applaud what the Big Ten did. I <clears throat> thought that they did a masterful job with this I schedule. I agree. I do. Yeah. I've been recommending for 10 years that they have what they call a flex protect schedule because not every school has the same number of rivalries. So why force the number of rivalries just flex it or make it flexible and adapt to each particular school's rivalry needs or demands. And that's exactly what they've done. I also love that they they went the NFL route, just similar to their uh, approach to striking a media rights deal. They took an NFL approach where, as you well know, if you play in the NFL, you face everyone in your division home and home. So there's two times the number of teams in the division. Then you rotate in playing another division in the opposite conference and then the rest of it is a formula based on record from the previous season and as stated by the big 10 representatives they said that this is going to be a process that they continue while they've got the framework in play they've got a system it's also going to be nuanced based on what i think i think they called the competitive trajectory uh, of the and con- competitive trends of the conference. So I think that's a great balance. It's a difficult thing to do. They didn't take the cookie cutter approach. No, they that didn't. They could no. The easy way out would have been 366. There yep. we go. It's done. But they learned from what uh, the SEC and the ACC have uh, wielded in the last uh, couple decades, which has been a horrible scheduling model. And they did much better. They went the complicated route. But it's the best, and and it 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 takes into consideration best matchups, but not to the, the extreme that you're talking about, and it takes into consideration obviously the equitable 
the equitable balance of the schedule from a competitive standpoint, the rivalries, although I don't know that uh, Illinois and Purdue are rivals, that was the one that jumped out to me. I didn't realize that uh, those two had gotten together as a, a major rivalry, but that's fine. And uh, then they had to take into consideration, unlike any other scheduling format that's been approached uh, ever in the sport, uh, traveling logistics, and they did that well. How about the way they, they chose rivals in this league? They did it Tinder style. I mean, it, literally, if you both swapped, if you both swiped right and agreed you were rivals, those were your protected rivals. Um, so both sides had to agree. So in Michigan's case, both Ohio State and Michigan State also said they wanted Michigan as rivals, and, and Michigan agreed. If anybody else picked Michigan, they didn't agree, and that's why Michigan has two. Uh, Iowa has three because Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Nebraska agreed. We want Iowa for a rival. Both sides sw- swiped right. So they now will each play each other every year. Nobody agreed with Penn State, though, on whom its rival was. Um, if I had to guess, Penn State picked both Michigan and Ohio State as its rival. Maryland probably, and Maryland and Rutgers probably picked Penn State. Penn State didn't reciprocate. Michigan and Ohio State said, we good. <laughs> didn't reciprocate. And so Penn State, one of the biggest names, not just in our conference, but in the history of the sport, and Michigan and, and Michigan and Penn State have pretty much gone back for the last, you know, 30, 40 years with the largest alumni bases in the world. Penn State's been in our league for 30 years. It'll be 30 years this year, Mark, that they have played in the Big Ten. And over the course of that time, they have apparently developed no rivals, at least not anybody that agrees with Penn State. Yes, you are our rival. What was your take on that? Well, I think that Ohio State knows that uh, Michigan is the rival, of course, and not just the rival, but uh, the best program in the conference right this second. And there's reason to believe that they will be one of the top three to four most of the time going forward. So I don't know that Penn State did select Ohio State and Michigan. Their, Their winning percentage against Ohio State is pretty awful. I think they've lost 11 of 12, something in that range. Uh, I, I don't know which way they went in regards to trying to protect uh, their record versus and their playoff possibilities versus uh, selecting the most attractive games. But I think the conference is more concerned with that, although there is a portion of that that affects, obviously, ticket sales tremendously, season ticket sales. And I think we've seen that across the country. Uh, but the playoff and the TV money completely obliterates that uh, in comparison. So that's the number one uh, consideration. And I don't know what what Penn State determined, but I got to think that they didn't even make those choices. All right, let's get to my top five predictions for the upcoming Michigan football season. I know you've had a chance to review them. I shared them with the audience before you came on. Is there one, two, all of them that stuck out to you or that you were the most vehemently against? Prepared for all of them, so I'll be brief. J.J. in the Heisman, it's a quarterback award. He's a quarterback, and he's also a dual threat, so consider that. And he's going to play for a team that's going to contend most likely for not just a Big Ten championship but a national championship. You make great points about Donovan Edwards taking away production from Blake Corum, and basically, unless you're a just a superhuman running back uh, that puts up numbers that we have not seen Uh, that is obviously slipping away from that position in regards to Heisman. You know, the 5.8 yards per carry and the 1,700 yards is impressive, but to win a Heisman, 
uh, you know, he's going to get credit for them winning more so than anybody else. So I think Mark, you're, Mark Blake Corum had Blake Corum had 247 carries in 11 games and one one drive against Ohio State. 247. There is no way with his with his pro status um, that Harbaugh is good. He already told the kid to go pro already. It's just his his knee was not going to be ready to to you know for the combine and scouting season. So he came back. There's no way they're running him that much again with his NFL future lying in front of him. They're they're going. They're good. They're he's not running 20 times against East Carolina. He's not running 20 times. Um, uh, you know, uh, against Nebraska, unless he has to. Uh, you've got Donovan Edwards there, who played with two injuries, a broken hand and a broken patella. Um, and then you, uh, no, they're gonna they're gonna throw the ball more this year, I believe. And I just think that if you're a reasonable voter with half a brain and you see a running back who is a quasi backup or a one A option who is just as effective, then why does the other guy win the Heisman Trophy? Mm-hmm. It, it's just why does he garnish? that vote it just i don't i think it's extremely unlikely and like you say jj mccarthy uh is the choice there so i completely agree with that in terms of colston loveland uh he impressed all of us down the stretch he's a more athletic tight end than i think the great tight ends that they've had in recent times and again it's not that tight ends are better athletes than the guys that uh split wide it's the matchup it's Mm -hmm. the it's difficult to find someone on the defensive side of the ball that has the size speed combination to match up with that guy and considering Michigan being void at wide receiver for any in at least at this point in having a go-to or a number one guy Colston Loveland I believe will be that type of guy he's again the most athletic Michigan tight end that I can remember Uh, Josiah Stewart, I'm going to go against this one just based on this is the Vegas guy coming out and just basically saying, I'll take the field of Jalen Harrell, Braden McGregor, Mason Graham, one of those guys over Josiah Stewart. Also, the injury factor, one guy getting injured uh, versus three. Uh, In terms of the sacks, I looked at this and I thought, okay, they played Iowa and Illinois in terms of the total team sacks at 38. They played some running teams there from the Western Division last year. Replaced them with a Hudson Card, a Jeff Sims at Nebraska. Guys that like to run, they're going to avoid sacks, but they're also going to run into sacks. Mm -hmm. And I like the over on the sacks because they only picked up seven and a half through the first three games against the three cream puffs. So they didn't even pad their stats against the three cream puffs last year and still a hit that 38 mark in terms of sacks. So I'll go over on that as well. Now, predicting the Joe Moore Award or the finalist status, I've long since been a guy that says, I hate trying to predict what others are going to select. So I'll leave that one alone and I'll go to Ohio State and Michigan in regards to who's going to win the Big Ten Championship. Now, wait, my, 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 my prediction doesn't say anything about winning the Big Ten championship. You said a national championship, did mm-hmm. you not? Okay. Uh, yeah, I noticed, notice, notice. Now, my, I'm not done with my preview yet. That'll be out here in about a month. But notice it doesn't say anything about winning the Big Ten championship. It just says, I think, multi, and, and it should not read two teams. It should read multiple teams from the Big Ten will be in the playoff. I predicted this last year. You thought I was nuts. Okay. I think there will be multiple Big Ten teams in the playoff again. 
Uh, and I think Michigan will beat Ohio State again. But tiebreakers can be kind of a weird thing. Somebody roll back. Particularly, when, particularly when multiple teams are involved. Nuts. Say that again. I don't know that I thought you were nuts. I just did not make this a similar prediction. Okay, when it comes to Michigan and Ohio State, which leads me to a topic that we should hit at some point because okay. I have called um, just here in the last week Michigan the dumb fan base of the day, of the day, just simply of the day, uh, for arguing with me about point-counterpoint in regards to bragging rights versus Ohio State. Uh, but as we say it right now, the case for Michigan is much easier to make. They are sound in every area, wide receiver, not impressed there. But besides that, it's a sound football team, and we have less question marks. I still believe Ohio State has a top-end talent advantage over Michigan. But there's just so many question marks, and they're just not unit question marks, which they are. They lost two NFL-caliber tackles that uh, they have huge concerns, and rightfully so, on the offensive line. You know, this Kyle McCord uh, argument about the system, the coaching, the track record versus his uh, individual ability, you have to go back to the year 2000 to find an Ohio State quarterback who did not play in games that resulted in championships. You have to go back a long you're time. You're talking Steve, Steve Bellisari is who you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The much, the much maligned yeah. Steve Bellisari, as I recall. Yes. Much maligned, yes, yeah. by me and others. Uh, athletic guy that should have been playing safety or something. But the, every quarterback since then, the great ones and the less than great, Craig Krenzel, Todd Beckman, still all played for championships. Um, so, man, that's that's a long and lengthy track record Um right there for Ohio State quarterbacks. But I believe in the Ohio State talent, but but there are question marks all over the place, and not just defensively in regards to talent or playing ability. It's more about the Jim Knowles system and whether he can get those athletes, whether it's the right system, number one. Number two, whether he can get them uh, to execute it. I Remember, I, I, was, I said this time last year, I was fascinated by the Jim Knowles hire because he does not come from a man-ball league and he's really more of a Don Brown level of defensive coordinator. And um, I think you saw that you saw that against Georgia, and I think it hurt him. You saw that against Michigan, and it hurt him. It is it, even if you're recruiting at the level that Ohio State is, it is very hard to play other teams that even if they're not at your level are recruiting at top ten or twelve levels consistently. Um, and and to play man to man against them constantly and all of the time. That is, we learn this the hard way. <laughs> All right, at Michigan under Don Brown. It is it is and 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 the pattern that you'll usually develop is against the teams that you are physically better than. I mean, your defensive numbers will look like a video game. I mean, they'll be 3 of 14 on third down. All right, they'll have 160 total yards, maybe even less than 100 total yards a couple of times. I mean, you will just absolutely physically man to man against against the teams that you are individually better than, clearly. It will look like a video game, and and Don Brown did that. When you get up against teams that recruit at or above your level, though, you cannot play that level of man-to-man. Michigan learned this the hard way, and I thought Ohio State learned that last year under Jim Knowles. It continues to concern me. He had one big year at Oklahoma State. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. he had a couple seasons prior to where they had top 25, 35 defenses in that league against that competition. 
that I do not believe to be the Big Ten, even though it's more wide open. And before that, he fielded poor defenses at Oklahoma State for a few years. And if Ohio State wasn't otherworldly on offense, they would have lost to Maryland and Penn State as well. Final question. If Ryan Day loses to Michigan again, is he in trouble or does it does it matter what it looks like? Does it matter what else the season looks like? I mean, Ohio State was one midnight kick away from losing to Michigan, but probably winning the national championship just a year ago. And y'all wouldn't have remembered losing to Michigan, obviously, if that had gone down, right? So so does it matter if they lose to Michigan again? Does it, does it matter if it's another beat down physically, so you're embarrassed? Does it matter if, hey, by tiebreakers or what have you, Ohio State goes on and wins the Big Ten championship and makes the playoff, and so uh, that loss is diminished in terms of some of its sting? Um, or is it just you can't lose to them three times in a row, period? Where are things at right now with your fan base? Us old-timers, Steve, we remember, regardless. <laughs> uh, yes, the national championship would have been nice, though. Uh, yeah, 11 and one with a loss to Michigan. There's no way he gets fired, but I think he places himself and, and what the fans believe about a hot seat versus what's actually going on, of course, mm-hmm. are two different things. But I think that puts him in a place where it's it's really hot. It's really uncomfortable going into 2024. But if they go nine and three and he loses to Michigan, maybe he gets fired. Yeah, I mean, you you can't. This team's not going nine and three. I mean, this is a this is a tougher schedule than they've had the last few years, man. But you've got, depending on where you look, anywhere from from seven to nine top one hundred NFL draft picks on this team. You're not going nine and three. You can't, right? You can't. Who are, okay at Notre Dame? All right, that's a tough place to play. At Michigan, tough place to play. Playing Penn State, those are the those are the only three teams that I think have any chance of beating Ohio State. Well, they lost last year and again the penn state and maryland performances without stroud and those receivers without the, a, top, a number you know the top five pick in the nfl draft at quarterback yeah i hear you so what you're saying is how many games would they have lost last year if cj stroud was just a guy at ohio state playing quarterback is that what you're saying so so yeah, so I, still really good but not great still really good I because believe- of the system and his talent but not great well, I think that Penn State defense was the most athletic in the Big Ten and just truly good, and they put up 44 points, and they had to. They were down with eight or nine minutes left. Yep. Maryland took them to the final series, and they needed big-time offense in that game to get it done. And uh, Kyle McCord, I expect to put up big numbers, but it's how he's going to perform in the fourth quarter of about mm-hmm. three or four games that is going to show his worth and value. Great stuff as always, my friend. Good to see you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. You bet. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastic into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This week's Twitter poll results, we asked you, would you be in favor of moving the Michigan and Ohio State game to earlier in the season? 
in order to avoid the potential of playing the game in back-to-back -back weeks given the new Big Ten championship format that debuts in 2024. I was stunned at how close this was. 61% said no, 39% said yes. I would have guessed it was going to be an 80-20 proposition. I, I was very surprised how close this was. So I, I think this could be more of a talking point as the years go on in this new alignment, which I think will eventually, like in the next two or three, four years tops, include even more teams. So this could be a conversation we'll have at some point here in the not-too-distant future. That brings us to our feedback of the week. Looking at the 2024 schedule, we better win the natty this year, says Michael. In 2024 right now, Michigan is slated to play Texas, Ohio State, UCLA, USC. Yikes. In one year. That's a pretty good year. Texas, Ohio State, USC, and UCLA in one year. That's what that's who Michigan plays next year. So that's only like half the schedule, not even half the schedule next year. So indeed, um, I think there's a few Big Ten teams that are looking at their schedule starting in 2024 and thinking we better win a lot, hell of a lot this year. I mean, because if you guys seen the schedule USC has lined up, I mean, Michigan has a gauntlet. But USC is getting no favors. I think I saw that UCLA is going to do 30,000 miles of travel next year. 30,000. USC, by the way, on top of playing uh, in the Big Ten next year, has a non-conference game against LSU and is traveling to Hawaii. So, whew, hope those guys know how to sleep on planes. But that's next year. We're going to have a ton of fun this year. Michigan is as loaded as it's ever been, or at least in recent memory. Wolverines are probably going to be no lower than number three, more likely number two in the preseason polls when they come out here in about six weeks. So let's just focus on 2023 for now, shall we? And we'll do that again when we see you here in two weeks. A new episode of Bigger Ten coming your way on the channel here next week. We'll be back with another episode of Michigan Podcast here in two weeks. Until then, remember to follow us on Twitter at Michigan Podcast. You can also like, rate, subscribe, share, uh, follow, uh, five-star review, whichever applies. However you either watch, like here on YouTube or listen, like on iTunes and other places. Please help us to find more Michigan fans just like you. Until the next time, I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue.